Welcome to the Rise to the Challenge podcast. Joining today, she's a cancer survivor, author, speaker, entrepreneur. It's Kim Sorrell. How are you doing today, Kim? Alex, I'm doing great. I'm doing much better now that I'm here with you. We're so excited to have you on the show to talk about your rise to the challenge. What we like to do with all of our guests is go right to the game. Talk about where you're from and what you like doing growing up. Well, I'm from Grand Rapids, Michigan. So the the west side of the state, not far from Lake Michigan, that is one of the things I love to do growing up is go to the lakeshore and go to the nice sandy beaches that we have here and swim in the water that is like an ocean because the lake is so huge, but we have no salt and we have no sharks. So that's <laughs> kind of nice. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So I loved growing up in the area and I, so I stayed. Right now the trees are changing into beautiful colors and that's always a fun thing to see and it's good. Did it kind of feel like an oasis in a way where you're in Michigan, so you're up north in the States, close to Canada, but you're not like in Florida, but it was kind of like your own little water oasis being at Lake Michigan. That's so true. That's so true. I think people who have not experienced the Great Lakes have no idea because People have lakes and you look across the lake and you can see the houses across the lake or mm-hmm. whatever. There's no looking across the lake here. I mean, the <laughs> other side of the lake is, is Chicago and we're a long, long way from Chicago. And so it's, um, it's, it's cool to have the lakes be surrounded by them. There's so many great towns around the lake and, and there's winter activities too that revolve around the lake. So it doesn't just cut off in the summer, which is nice. Although, Honestly, for me, I'd much rather be in Florida in the winter yeah. than <laughs> in Michigan. <laughs> but uh, but there are a lot of people that enjoy the snowshoeing and all the stuff that people do to get through the winter. As you're growing up and you're getting older, did you kind of find new activities, new skills that you didn't know you had at that time? Uh, that's a funny thing for you to say, because I have told myself now for probably the last 10 years I need to pick up a winter hobby. I need to like embrace skiing or snowshoeing or ice skating or something and, and be so passionate about it that I can't wait for the snow to fall and it get cold so that I can go do this activity. Mm -hmm. Well, the only activity I've found is drinking hot chocolate by a fire. (laughs) I'm not sure that that's the right one, but I'm working on it. Hey, there's nothing wrong with that activity. I have some friends that would do the same exact thing. They love the bonfire. And I think, especially I'm in Missouri and you go to like the kind of secluded areas, everyone's making a bonfire, but just getting a bunch of people around there is just feels like a family environment in a way. So when you say that, I'm like, I can relate to those activities, but (laughs) With snowboarding and skiing, why is it all of a sudden you're like thinking, oh, I need to find something now? Did, was it hard growing up to find those activities? Well, I don't know. I, I mean, you know, growing up, no, not hard to find them. And growing up, there was time for that kind of stuff, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, when you're a kid, you're going sledding and making snowmen and building caves out of snow I guess not a cave out of the snow igloo mountain igloo yeah something and uh and having fun in the snow and then I feel like I went through this period of time where it's I'm working a lot I coached uh basketball for 25 years I coached varsity volleyball for 17 years and so my weekends were consumed with tournaments and whatever Mm -hmm. and uh so I got away from doing anything fun winter and Then got to the point where I was like, well, I either have to find something that I'm passionate about and love to do in the snow, or I have to leave the state Mm -hmm. for the entire winter. I have to do one or the other. (laughs) (laughs) Did you have any influences, anyone that inspired you growing up? Oh, yes. Oh, my gosh. So many, so many. Um, My dad was an entrepreneur. He started a company. Uh, before I was born, he started another one. When I was five years old, he had a plastic bag manufacturing company mm-hmm. and, and it was a pretty big company. He grew up pretty, pretty large, but he had a machine in our basement. And uh, if we wanted to go to the movies or we wanted to 
buy a new shirt or whatever, we needed to go make plastic bags and make enough to earn enough for whatever it was that we wanted to do. And so uh, that was good. I mean, you know, it might sound not good, but it really was good. We uh, were taught just a strong, good work ethic. And so he was definitely a big influence and, and into entrepreneurship. I started my first company right out of high school. So it was, um, that was a big influence, but coaches that I had and teachers that I had, there were so many people. I mean, it's, it's hard to even pinpoint a couple, but my high school basketball coach, I just went out to lunch with him the other day and he was a huge influence in my life. Um, just a coach is a whole different relationship than a teacher, than a parent, than a, any other adult in your life. And, and the things that he, he taught all of us had a lot more to do with life than they had to do with basketball. You know, at the time yeah, yeah. we thought it was all basketball, but looking back, it was about life. And my best friend growing up, Sheila, she was a huge influence on me. Being a peer, you would think, Maybe that's not who you look to for somebody that you would call out as a big influence, but she is the kind of friend. She's still my best friend and she's the kind of friend that will call me out. You know, if I'm doing something, I'm going a little too far with something, or if I'm saying something inappropriate or I'm, you know, whatever it happens to be, she'll call me out. That's the best kind of friend to have. And she, she taught me a lot. So I'm grateful for her. So yeah. What about you? I think when you mentioned the friend part, I just had a conversation with a friend about that because in our friend group, he was mentioning that a lot of his friends just agree with everything. Oh yeah, you should go do that. And I was always the person that thinks about the other side, kind of like challenges him in a way, but in a way that makes him think a different perspective and stuff. And he does the same thing to me. And I like that because I don't want someone that's going to be my yes man. And say yes to, oh yeah, go do that. Oh yeah, you're right. It's like, if you disagree with that person, that's how you build that friendship. That's how you grow and you learn more about each other. So exactly what you said about your friend, Sheila, I totally agree with that because I want that type of friend in my life that can make me become the best version of myself. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Absolutely. And you also mentioned with coaches and how your work ethic at a young age, do you think that gave you an advantage learning that work ethic at a young age? So when you became an entrepreneur, you had that kind of mindset already so that you knew this is going to take hard work instead of here's the keys. It's going to be easy. Exactly. Exactly. Uh, That's so true because seeing my dad, seeing my parents, my mom worked in the business as well and seeing them growing up nothing was ever like eight to five and then it's over, you know, might be home at six and they have dinner and then they have to do some paperwork or who knows, you know, whatever has to happen happens. You got to get done, whatever you have to get done. And, and there's no such thing as done. Mm -hmm. At the end of the day, there are jobs that, that people are able to say, gosh, this is what I needed to accomplish today. I got it done. You know, it's all done, but uh, I've never had a job like that. But I never saw a job like that, that a job like that was never modeled to me as a kid. I I saw the opposite. I saw the workaholic, which isn't the greatest, you know, not that that's a good thing. There needs to be some balance in life. But uh, seeing that, though, I realized running your own business, it's not a cakewalk and it's not for everybody. Some people need to be accountable to somebody or somebody needs. Some people just can't handle the stress. I mean, if you're making payroll for 80 people, 100 people, however many people you got working for you, you know, you got to think about that and think about the people you're responsible for. And, you know, then COVID, that was fun getting through business in COVID, you know, I mean, just stuff happens and you got to be ready to face whatever dragon comes your way. Sometimes we're asked, what is that dream job of ours? If you weren't an entrepreneur and you didn't do it right out of high school, what was that dream job for you? Uh, Well, when I was in high school, my plan was to become the first woman president. Okay. So, yeah. So I had my life laid out before me and I knew exactly what I was going to do. But then May of my senior year of high school, and, and I knew that marriage and family couldn't play a part 
because it was going to take too much work to become the first woman president. And but then May of my senior year of high school, this tall, dark, handsome man walked in the room and stole my heart and my plans went out the window. But uh, one of my dream jobs or my dream job uh, would be to run a nonprofit to help people in third world countries. And I live that dream. I've uh, run a nonprofit for, um, I don't know, 20 years or something now. And I get to go to places and help people and serve. And that is a dream to me. I love I love to help people. Was it hard giving up that dream of becoming the first woman president for love, basically? Or in the long run, it was the path that needed to happen for you? Uh, well, I, you know, I'm still alive. I could still be president. Yeah. So, you know, Anything I haven't necessarily given up on that dream. Anything can happen in life. And I'm much younger than the current president. So I obviously have time. So I never really thought of it as giving up on the dream. Uh, the dream shifted. Yeah. Sure. But it was a good shift. It was a good shift. What was next for you? So after high school, you mentioned in May that life changed. The different path now. What was next for you? Well, I, I married the man. Uh, I knew him for 10 days and then I asked him to marry me and he said, yes. Wow. And uh, yes, kind of shocked the world, kind of shocked me too. It's not, I I didn't really plan that. It just sort of happened. And uh, so we got married a year later and he was in school. So I'm building a business and working so that he can finish school. I did go to school as well, but uh worked a lot too. And then a couple of years later, the kids started coming. And so I did a, a whole lot, you know, I, I worked a lot and was with the kids a lot too. And it was great. I mean, I loved having babies. I loved having kids. I loved every age, every stage from the time they were born. And, and my kids, my oldest was four and a half when my fourth one was born. So they're bang, bang, wow. bang, bang, bang. And people would say, wait till they're teenagers. Oh, my word, when they're all teenagers, you're going to be pulling your hair out. And I thought, I'm not going to have that attitude. I'm going to embrace teenagers. I'm going to love it. And I did. I loved it when they were teenagers. And now they're grown and they have kids of their own. I get to be a grandma, which is, I'm grateful I never killed any of my kids because they gave me grandchildren, you know, <laughs> bored for, for not doing that, I guess, when they're driving you nuts. But but it's great. I mean, even now, my uh, my son, my one of my sons, every year has a they call it the Sorrel Basement Reunion. So it's all his buddies that used to come over and Friday after school and go home Sunday, uh, Sunday night, to just to sleep and get up and go to school. All those guys get together once a year, and wow. they've been out of school for a while. My son has a seventeen year old, so. They've been out of school for a while and they're this weekend, they're at my place doing the Sorrel reunion, Sorrel basement reunion. So it's fun. Did you have a good support system with getting married very early, having kids early? Did you have that support system with you? Yeah, my family. I mean, my dad, my parents never told me that they didn't want me to get married. Mm -hmm. I never planned Obviously, I didn't plan on getting married as young as I did. And, you know, it's kind of against all odds, right? Sometimes when things happen and uh, that that you make it. But, man, I had a great marriage. I had a great marriage. I was married to a, a wonderful man who loved me and I loved him. And and um, so we we had a great time together. It was it was good. It wasn't. You know, so many divorces happen and, and, and you hear the excuse, well, shoot, we got married too young. Well, you know, that probably is true of some people. Well, I got married pretty darn young myself, but I look at it like we, we grew up together. And that was, that's kind of a bonus too. You know, then you don't have all this other stuff that's happened in life that you're dragging along with you, right? You're just doing it together. So you have your own stuff, a couple's stuff that you're dragging along, I guess. I think it just shows that there's not a specific textbook on how everything is supposed to happen, when you're supposed to get married, when you're supposed to have kids. 
everyone's lives are so different. And you like, you mentioned that it, you didn't plan on it. It just was the timing that things happened. And to you guys, it felt right at that moment. And you guys went with it. And I think it just shows that you don't have to copy someone else's lives. As much as we see these celebrities and stuff, we want to be exactly their plans. That doesn't happen all the time. You know that you have it in your heart that this is what's going to happen. It's at that time and things like that. Like relationships for me, if it happens, it happens. But I'm still continuing in my life and still going. But I found someone, I'm happy, but I'm not rushing to anything. But that's just me personally, just because my, I went through divorce with my mom who got divorced twice. So it's like, I'm a little skeptical of getting into it to making sure it's like perfect. Cause, but I grew up fine and my mom is my best friend. So I would do anything for her. Yeah. But, but it's so true. You know, if you've experienced good, my, my parents weren't necessarily a good married couple. Mm-hmm. They were good parents. My mom was a great mom, but she was not a good wife. They're, she was like, you know, you'd hug my mom. It was like hugging a cardboard box. There wasn't a lot of, uh, a lot of affection ever shown to her as a child. And so she just didn't know how to give it. And so didn't know how to give it to my dad either. So they weren't so great together, but, uh, but they stuck it out, I guess. Um, but my mom died uh, young. And so I, I don't know how, much, how long they would have stuck it out. But she was only 52 when she passed away. And so, but, but I wanted something better. I didn't want that marriage. I knew that I wanted a better marriage. And so I fought for it. I worked hard to have a great marriage. We didn't get to talk about what type of business were you um, creating as an entrepreneur? Yeah. Well, the first business was uh, I bought an old uh, furniture manufacturing building it was empty. It'd been vacant for a while and then lease space. So uh, commercial industrial space and then got another building, another building, grew the business. And a couple of years later, bought a piece of land that had a nine hole golf course with this shack on a hill. And we turned it into 18 holes and fine dining and whatever. I just sold that just um, this last February and, uh, just different things along the way, a grocery store in St. Croix, uh, um, travel agency, just, you know, different opportunities that, that came along. And then some were short-term opportunities and some were longer-term opportunities. But I love taking and making something out of nothing. Mm-hmm. And I love taking something that maybe isn't doing so great and turn it around and make it do great. I, I love the challenge of both of those things. I love the the nine hole golf course thing because I think a lot of people there's some so many out there that they just need a little makeover, just a little makeover, a little like a little touch up, and they can be something. Is there a project that you haven't been able to tackle yet that's on your dream list to do? Oh, that's a good question. Um, you know, I, I think my dream list is pretty long. <laughs> uh, <laughs> um, world peace would be on that dream list. You know, I haven't tackled that quite yet, but um, yeah, there there are definitely things that that there are big dreams like clean water around the world. You know, uh, things like that 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 I'm a part of, want to be a bigger part of, and and see change. Um, I'm I have a lot of passion about uh, love, but I I lived a year trying to figure out the true meaning of love. And, and I found out some things that nobody's ever heard before. It it was amazing. Like the things that I found out would change the world. And so I'm passionate about sharing that information so that people can live it and, and we can be in a, in a better place. Uh, So, yeah, I'm passionate about um, bringing people together. You know, we've, we've got some great divides within our country within our world. And I, I love bringing people together and letting people see that people are people. So there, there's a lot of those, those kind of things that I want to tackle that I'm working on some of them, uh, but there's a lot. 
during these investment opportunities or these entrepreneurial opportunities, was it more you being solo as an individual or were you having to trust other people, business partners and things like that? Oh yeah. 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 I mean, um, what happened was my dad lost his job when I was a senior in high school. And so he wasn't sure what he was going to do. And, uh, because he had, it started this business, this plastic bag manufacturing business, but he sold out to a conglomerate and then he was going to start a recycling company while he was still running that business for the conglomerate. And um, they didn't like that, that he had a side gig going. And so they let him go. And so uh, he wasn't sure. He, didn't, he had no idea what he was going to do. And so we decided that as a family that we would start a business and it would pay for our college was, was the goal that it would be a business for whatever it turned into. We, we didn't know at the time. And so we collectively, I have two brothers. So collectively, the five of us, we took out a $50,000 loan from the bank and bought our first building. And uh, before we knew it, we owned, I don't know how many million square feet we ended up with at the end, nine or something million square feet uh, before we sold um, the bulk of the buildings. And so, yeah, so it, it was collectively. And then some things I did alone. So some, some of both, you know? Yes. During your span of an entrepreneur, what has it been the biggest thing it has taught you about yourself? Well, I know I'm a leader. Okay. I, I, I know that I'm a leader. I know that, that uh, eight to five is not my gig, that I'm a little type A perhaps. <laughs> And can be a little intense, maybe more intense than I need to be. Hopefully, I'm I'm way better at that now than I was in the past. Um, but I I I know that I know I know what I'm good at and what I'm not so good at. And mm-hmm. I think you learn those things in a hurry. And uh, and that I I I know that life is lifelong learning. Yes. That it that you don't just go to go to high school, go to college, and then you're done. But you should always be learning. You should always yep. want to know more and be evolving and, and being a better person. That's why we have those friends that make us better people, right? And so I learned that, that I love to learn. I love to know more. I always say there's not one person out there that knows everything. And that is what makes everyone's opportunity so grand is you can learn. You have the internet, you have videos, you have books, not saying that I go to a library, but my mom would laugh at that joke that I just made of me going to library, but there's so much options out there where if I don't know something, I'm determined to find out and learn it because you never know when you're going to use that skill. And I love how you talked about a leader because a lot of people think they can't become leaders because they don't have a title or anything. Yes, you're an entrepreneur and you're the owner of your own company, but you become a leader by showing because of your actions and being that leader type. And I always find that so magnificent because I try to do that in any job that I'm in. I want to be a leader, a team player to show people that I can be trusted and I can be someone that could reach a management position with not having that management title. Yeah, right, right, right. Well, and what's so interesting about that, I love what you just had to say, Alex, And what's so interesting about that is you don't have to be in a position of leadership to be a leader. Yep. So like even in your own neighborhood, right? I mean, there are, there are people that are neighborly neighbors and people that are not so neighborly neighbors and, and you can be a leader in your neighborhood to bring people together, to get people to be friendly with each other. You know, a leader, wherever it is that you happen to be in whatever circumstance, a leader is the the one that that ends up coaxing everybody which way to go, right? Brings them along for the ride. And so a good leader is going to take a bad situation and and make it better by turning the wheel, you know, and going going in the right direction and bringing everybody along with them. And so uh you can be a leader anywhere. Anybody can be a leader anywhere. You definitely can see the people that want to become leaders. You just see them in how they speak, what they do, their actions, and you kind of see that excitement that they get. 
in your journey, you have gone through some challenges in your life, but that has not stopped you as the title of the show is you rise to the challenge and you are still standing strong today. Talk about those challenges you have faced. Yeah, well, uh, I've, I've had several, but uh, a few years ago, I was diagnosed with breast cancer. And uh, that, anytime you hear the cancer word, you mm-hmm. really, you know, puts you on your knees. I mean, it's a, a scary thing to yeah. hear that word. Uh, but then four months later, my husband was diagnosed with pancreatic cancer. Mm-hmm. And he died six weeks after that. And that was a weird, crazy, who does that? I mean, I, I, I don't, I know people who have had cancer, but I don't know anybody who had cancer and then their spouse had cancer and died. You know, like I, it's sort of a special group <laughs> to both be facing cancer at the same time. And so there were so many emotions attached, right? And so many things. And and then here, I'm 47 years old when it happened. And and we were going to be that couple in our 90s and the rockers on the front porch drinking lemonade. And so now I have a whole different life. And I had no idea what that was going to look like. Mm-hmm. I didn't know what to do. I didn't know what was next. And the main thing it did to me, or one of the big things that it did to me was it it made me question love and what love really is. And did I do it right? Cause he, he was a great guy. So I better have been doing it right with him, but there had to be more. And love seems to be this mystery, right? Like there are so many songs written about love. There's movies written about love, the, the notebook everybody talks about, right? <laughs> Nicholas Sparks books that, that everybody wants that romance, you know, but it, but it's not just couple love. I mean, it's loving everybody but what does that really mean? What does that really look like? And uh, I, I didn't know. And so I thought, well, somebody's got to figure this thing out. So I decided I'd dedicate a year. And and so when I was ready to go back to work, when my health was good, and I was ready to go back to work, I decided to go uh, work at a nonprofit that my dad and I had started 10 years before. And they just needed a bookkeeper. So I started out as a part-time bookkeeper. And then 12 days later, there was an earthquake in Haiti that killed 200,000 people. So within two weeks of that, I was in Haiti. And then for the next several years, I was in Haiti part of every month. And uh, so I did this love search in Haiti, which made it interesting. But I I had to reinvent life. I had to reinvent it, uh, what the future was going to look like. You know, we don't we don't always know what our future is going to hold, but we have some things that we think are going to be there. Yeah. Yeah. At 47, I never expected to lose my husband. There are things in life that that we have no control over. We don't we don't have a choice. So then I also feel like the things that you do have control over, the things that you can control, you should. And happiness is one of those. And uh, going and serving, I think, really helped me to heal. It really helped with the grief that that I was able to go serve. Then the focus wasn't on me and mm-hmm. my whatever was going on in my life. My focus was outward. And the healing was strong because, because of the service. Did taking that year with going to Haiti and doing the nonprofit, do you think that was like a reset for you to really answer those questions where if you did not do that, maybe you weren't able to find those answers that you were questioning? Absolutely. Absolutely. Yes. I, you know, I could have done the year of love, you know, really searching for love. I could have done that probably anywhere, but there's something different about it when you are in an atmosphere of nothing. Yeah. There's no distractions. You know, it's not like most people have no power or they have power a couple hours a day. So there's not a bunch of TVs around. There's, there's just nothing to distract you. There's no movie theater in Haiti. There's no Walmart. There's no shopping mall. You know, there's, there's no distractions that way. So everything is all about people. It's all about people and all about relationships. So learning love, learning the truth about love, what it really is, 
uh, there made perfect sense in the end. You even mentioned how the different lives where people that they they're used to having not much, but they value the people and the community that they live in and where people that are living in the United States, they take something expensive and think, oh, I can't get that Lamborghini or something where people can't even afford a regular car. And I think that is something that's so true where you have to look at, is that important? And the value of money in a way, but even for you, when you said the value of what is love, even when you look at your relationships and the people that are in your life, you can be, you can have love with friends because they're almost like your family. So do you value that? Do you care about that person? And it sounds like you really got to learn even more about what it is without being your family and finding that love in other places. Yeah. Well, I, I really think you're supposed to love everybody. Yes. Like you should just love everybody, but we, we can say that we can say we love everybody, but then what about those darn Republicans or I love everybody. I love it. But those, those darn Democrats, you know, like people will call out people groups, you know, that they just can't, they just, they just can't, they just can't go there. Well, people are people all over the world. Mm -hmm. And, and the labels that we put on people are destructive kind of no matter what the labels are, they might be a positive label, but it's still a label. Mm -hmm. It's, it's Alex. You're Alex. You're an individual. You're a unique individual. There's nobody in the world like you. You are one of a kind. We are all one of a kind. And when we learn to appreciate that, when we learn to appreciate the fact that it is all about relationships, that's what life is about is relationships and humanity and allowing people to be who they were born to be, allowing people to to be uh, what they know is right for them without judgment, without criticism, without racism. There's no room for that with love. There's no room for discrimination. There's no room for unsolicited advice and thinking you can fix people or whatever. That That's not love. That's not love. Love would say all that stuff is out the window, that we are, we're all walking on the same ground. We are all equal. We are all at the same level. Doesn't matter how much money you have. Doesn't matter where you live. Doesn't matter your zip code of where you live. None of that matters. None none of it matters. We are all the same. And when you can see people through those eyes, life changes And when you understand love, because I learned some things about love that we think are true, that I thought were true, that I've been taught all my life, that I found out are absolutely not true. There are so many things done in the name of love. There are so many things um, taught in the name of love, said in the name of love that are not love. There are so many things that are not love that we call love. And so we need to kind of get off that off that love roller coaster and and onto a life that is really living love. You know, love is not an emotion like fear and excitement. Love is something you are. Love is something you can be to others. Love is all encompassing. It's universal. It's so much more, but it's it's like it's so much bigger, but yet it's so much simpler too at the same time uh, than than we might think. You talked about your cancer journey. And for someone that's listening to this interview that is going through cancer or they've been a survivor, what would you tell them to utilize that and empower them? You know, I we are the sum total of every day we've lived up until today, right? Mm-hmm. For good, for bad, whatever. It's just the truth. that That's our makeup. And so cancer is something that people have to go through. Some people get through it. More people get through it all the time because things are happening in our medical world and hopefully things are getting better. And uh, and some people don't, unfortunately, but it's something that you, that if you have it, you have it and you got to deal with it. But, and it's not good, but you can make good come from it. Mm-hmm. You can take something bad in your life and make something good come from it. And what I found is that uh, like with 
get the cancer that I had, to be able to talk to people who are just recently diagnosed or just they they need a boost to know that they're going to be okay or somebody to just give them hope and whatever, I'm happy to do that. I talked to a lot of women right after they're diagnosed with cancer and through their cancer journey because you're, it's so good when you know you're not in it alone. So, yeah, yeah. you know, you can take that bad. And, and the same thing with women that have lost their husbands. You, to know that you're not in it alone, whatever it is, whatever it is, you're not the only one in the world. Even though you're unique and an individual, there's probably nobody that hasn't gone through what you've, what you're going through. So to be able to then help people, because so often we can feel alone. And it might be because other people that have gone through what you're going through aren't making good come out of it, aren't helping others going through the same thing. So you can be that person then that is there for people that wasn't there for you. It shows that there's someone or a support group that they've gone through the same thing. And I've experienced that as a type one diabetic, you kind of get diagnosed and you're like, oh, why do I have this? Why am I going to have to deal with this? But as I got older, I started branching out and trying to reach out to other people that are going through similar things. And I can call some of them one best friends, even though I've never met them in person. I maybe met them through an interview or just through social media. But what you said that you can be that support system for them, be that kind of partner for them that maybe they didn't have at that time. It's so admirable because you care about those people and you've been on that journey and you want to help that next person be positive, stay positive and make good out of it and help them learn more about what's going on. Mm -hmm. Exactly. Exactly. I mean, that that's what can bring you through, but if you don't make something good out of it, yeah, it can be so easy to wallow in it, right? To stay down. And that goes back to the choices that you make. You know, you, you can choose to stay down yes, or you can choose to get up and dust yourself off and, and go at it and go help other people. As an author, when did you feel you wanted to write a book? Well, my first book, I started writing right after I was diagnosed with cancer because okay. I went to the bookstore and everything was either depressing or medical. And I just wanted to know what it felt like, mm-hmm. you know, what is it like? And, and so I started writing and it was very therapeutic, but I was sending them out at the time as an email. And before I knew it, 5,000 people were reading what I was writing. And I started it as a way to let my family and friends know I'm going to the doctor tomorrow instead of making a whole bunch of phone calls. But it turned into so much more than that. And uh, so Cry Until You Laugh is the name of that book. And, you know, because I found out there's there are choices that you have to make. You don't just go with a doctor and the doctor says, this is what you do. I mean, there's decisions you have to make along the way and and whatever. And there's so many different kinds of cancer. And then I was still writing, of course, when my husband was diagnosed and and then through the six weeks of his life. And then I, I so I wrote for a little over a year. And uh, so I, I always liked to write, mm-hmm. but I never planned on writing a book. It just kind of turned into a book. And then this my second book, I really wanted to write whether anybody ever read it or not. I wanted to take this year and dedicate it to figuring out love. I, I wanted to do that for myself and, and then write about it. And if I was the only one that ever read it, then I was the only one that ever read it, you know, or, or whatever. But fortunately for me, other people are reading it. So it's great. But um, what I did is I, I wasn't sure how I was going to go about it. So I took this 2,000-year-old poem that you hear at a lot of weddings, love is patient, love is kind, does not envy, does not boast, right? And I took one word a month I, and focused on one word a month and figured out, well, what is love that is patient? Like, we know what patience is, right? Yeah. Like, it, yeah. you know, everybody knows what patience is. You're not mad because there's a traffic jam and you're not honking your horn, you know, you're not getting all upset because you're late for something, you know, because somebody made you late, you're, you're being showing patience, but love that is patient is way different than that. 
And so each month I thought, well, patience, that's going to be easy. Of course, you know, kind, that'll be easy. But none of them were easy. They, they were all tough and they all mean something so different from each other. But then they all have this, this great weave that happens between all of them and this umbrella that it lays over all the words and phrases. And like, uh, like love is patient, for instance, um, I figured out that again, going back to, I believe you're supposed to love everybody. So this would be showing love that is patient to somebody at the grocery store, your partner, your kids, your next door neighbor, you know, that irritating brother-in-law, whoever it happens to be, but love that is patient would say that this moment is the most important moment of your life. Mm -hmm. What's in the past is in the past. What's in the future is yet to come. This is the moment. And this moment is going to come and go with or without you. And if you're showing love that is patient, you are fully engaged. Your attention is 100% on the person you're with. 100%. And for me, it was so easy to think about, oh, I've got this meeting later. I got to step at the grocery store and do this. I got to do this. And thinking that I was the greatest multitasker <laughs> and I could be thinking of all these things and figuring stuff out in my head and be fully engaged in a conversation all at the same time. And I found out that's absolutely not true. And so I was not showing love, thinking about all these other things, even thinking about my rebuttal, you know, what I was going to say next then you don't really hear. But when you practice, it took me a lot of practice, but when you practice and you are there and you are fully engaged, when you practice this, your ears open up and you hear, you actually hear what the other person has to say. Mm -hmm. You're not assuming what they're going to say based on some label that you gave them or by the way they're dressed or anything else. You're not making any assumptions. You listen. You listen completely and don't respond unless you got a really good response. You know, listen, we have two ears and one mouth, right? We hear that all the time. And so listen, and it's amazing what you find out about people. You know, it's it's so easy to say, well, how are you? How are you? Good. How are you? And and we kind of want that answer because we don't want to stay and listen if they go, well, you know, things aren't going so great today. We were like, oh my gosh, I've got things to do, places to go, people to see and walk away from that. It's, it's like you're hoping they don't say it. Well, mm-hmm. that's not love. People need someone to talk to sometimes. They, they need someone to listen. And, and listening is a good thing because you do find out that we have so much more in common than not in common. And you find out the specialness, the uniqueness of the individual that you're talking to. And so you receive the information in a whole different way. And so that is love that is patient, being fully engaged and fully in the moment. Have you been thinking about your next book or how much, how many books would you like to write? Oh my gosh. I, however many come, you know, (laughs) I, I, I like to write. I'm, um, Yeah. So I'm writing now love is for kids. And um, I'm also working on love is for churches because I think there are certain uh, things again, that, that we're taught based on, you know, our religion our whatever uh, that are not love that, that we're mistaking for love. And uh, so love is for churches. And then I'm also co-authoring a book on grief with a friend who's amazing. She's amazing. This woman, she's a medium and she's absolutely incredible. I adore her. And so we're together writing this, this book on grief. So yes, I don't know how many more books there be. <laughs> <laughs> could be like chicken soup for the soul. Yeah, yeah. Be Love is for nurses and love is for teens I don't know you know we'll see See as you were naming like each of the titles it's such a good where you have the love is and you can that last word is blank because you can put that with any anything you mentioned churches you mentioned kids and you can it's endless opportunities because you can take that topic and so many people are going through that or they can say 
I didn't think about it that way. So it's a perfect title for endless opportunities. Kind of like the chicken, chicken for the, oh man, I forgot. Chicken soup for the soul. Chicken soup for the (laughs) soul. Like you just said it, I already forgot the title. Yeah. (laughs) Right. Yeah, absolutely. So yeah. Yep. There are endless possibilities and, and it's a huge subject and it's universal. You know, like we said, it's, it's everywhere for everyone. And so it's, it is endless. So what does the future look like for you? What are you hoping to accomplish both personally and professionally? Well, I am so passionate about this love thing. I got to tell you, because I wish I knew the things that I found out. I wish I knew years ago because my life would have been different then, but it's different now because I know what I know. And, you know, like the revelation that I had about what is love that is patient and being in the moment that's changed my life that just that one, and there's 14 of them. So it took me longer than a year or I'm a slow learner. I don't know one or the other, but um, there's 14 of them and that's just one and they're all unique. And so it's, it's incredible. Each one of them uh, changed my life. Even just one of them alone changed my life, but then put them all together so I'm just very passionate about it. And so I'm speaking, I'm uh, writing articles, I'm doing whatever I can to get the word out because I really think the world, it's a, it's a world changer. Yeah. It's a life changer and a world changer. I mean, how many people are unhappy? There, there's a whole lot of people that, you know, you look at your life and you go, oh gosh, by now I thought I'd be where? Or I've got this issue with family, or I've got this issue at work with these coworkers, or I, you know, there's something in life that's making you unhappy. Well, happiness shouldn't be something you have or you don't. You should just have it. Mm-hmm. I mean, you should find happiness where you are. But if you don't understand love, it's hard to find happiness where you are. But once you understand love, man, your happy meter goes way up. Like it's, it's crazy how life-changing it is. Definitely happiness and everyone's path takes a certain amount of time. Sometimes it goes quicker, but everyone's on their own journey and you definitely can't, you have the opportunity to speed it up or you can slow it down, but let it roll, let it happen. And because you don't want to get to it and then you're like, well, what's next? And then you're just at a standstill. And I always like that because when I'm on my path, I'm like, I need to get there. I need to get to the finish line. But I'm like, let me enjoy what else, what kind of short or uh, long paths can I take to finally get to that, not take the shortcuts. And I enjoy even more getting to the finish line, but then I'm always like, what's next for me. So I always Mm -hmm. prepare. Yeah. Yeah. That's a good way to face life. I love it. I love that. That's. That is an awesome approach to life. The final question I'll ask you for someone that's listening to this interview based on your journey and experience, what tips or advice would you give them to overcome obstacles, accomplish their goals and rise to the challenge? It's easier to rise to the challenge than than you think because it's a mindset, right? So much of it, is a mindset that if you tell yourself you can't do something, then chances are you can't, but there shouldn't be a can't in your, in your repertoire of words. Like the word can't doesn't need to exist. You never need to use that word because everybody can do anything. I mean, you know, I, uh, obviously uh, if you're talking about becoming an Olympic athlete or, something like that. You know, there, there are certainly things that if at my five foot tall, I'm not going to be on the Olympic women's basketball team probably, but pretty much everything else you can do. And so if you, if you embrace life, instead of counting the days till the weekend, we'll enjoy Thursday. Wednesday's a great day, you know, but, but take each day one at a time without rushing it. You don't, don't need to rush it. See what Tuesday has for you because Tuesday has something different for you than Monday did. So embrace each day. And yeah, maybe you're looking forward to the weekend because something special is going on or you're looking forward to a vacation, 
But meanwhile, don't miss what's in front of you right now. Don't don't miss it. Because I think I think we try to skate too fast through life. Yeah, and yeah. like like you and your road that that goes in a whole nother direction, right? That is the long way around. We want the shortcut. We want the shortcut to Friday to the weekend. And then we miss everything. Meanwhile, and it's like we have blinders on. And so embrace life, embrace it, whatever life throws at you, embrace it, whatever it is. Because if we didn't ever have the hard times, the good times would seem like nothing. Mm -hmm. You know, the hard times make the good times even better. And nobody cries forever. And and nobody explodes from anger. You know, you cry for a period of time, you you know, which everybody does and it's fine. Or you're, you're upset about something for a period of time. You're not upset forever. So those moments come and go, but embrace those moments and learn from them and, and enjoy life. You're here. You're here for a reason. Figure out the reason, you know, make, make your life something great, whatever it is that you want it to be. Don't look at any limitations. You're everybody. We're, we're unlimited, you know, get friendlier with people and enjoy the relationships that you're in and love the one you're with and be who you're meant to be. Live your authentic self and embrace, embrace life. Well, Kim, I want to thank you so much for coming on the show and talking about your rise to the challenge. You're inspiring so many people and we're excited to see what the future looks like for you. Well, Alex, I appreciate so much you having me. Thank you so much. And I appreciate you and your show. Everybody should listen to your show because you are an inspiration. I just, I could sit and listen to you. I could go have coffee with you every day of the week and enjoy it. I would love it. You're, you're wonderful. So thank you so much. Tune in next time to hear my next guest talk about their rise of the challenge. Remember to follow and subscribe to all major audio platforms and make sure you subscribe to our YouTube channel to the full length episode and video format. What path do you take to accomplish your goals? You decide.